Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, May 15th. Make inner freedom your primary goal in life. See every binding desire or attachment as a rope tying your balloon of consciousness to the ground. Sever those ropes and exclaim vigorously with each slash, You can hold me no longer. My place is high in the sky soaring over seas and continents on breezes of pure bliss. This is a very interesting aspect of the spiritual path, desires and attachments. Um, it's, it, it takes a while, well, let, let me phrase it differently, it takes a while in terms of many incarnations before we begin to understand what bondage is and where it comes from. And people are born at different levels of experience and understanding on this point. And when we're talking about desires and attachments, we're not talking about ambition. We're not talking about high energy. I mean, we're not talking against ambition, high energy, creativity, inspiration, you know, accomplishment. This is the, um, the paradox that, that we gradually have to come to understand. And the whole a great deal of the Bhagavad Gita is about this, how just making all these fine distinctions between action and inaction and the right kind of action and the right attitude to have toward your actions. What we're working with here is we're talking not about what we're doing, but the attitude we have toward what we're doing. The word attitude appears a great deal when you start really talking about what self-realization is. It isn't it isn't really what you do, it's the attitude you have toward what you do. So sometimes when, when we hear, and it's much in the Buddhist philosophy, and it's also in the philosophy of self-realization and yoga, in, in, the, in the Bhagavad Gita, it's called nishkam karma, which is action without desire for the fruit of the action. Now, if you th- think about that, acting without desire for the fruit of the action. So you do something as well as you can do it, but you're not, um, uh, you're not doing it for what you're going to get from it. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do, because it gives you, because you feel inspired by God to do it, because it's joyous to use the talents that have given, been given to you, because it's a great service to whomever it is that you love, from the whole of humanity to your own family. But you're acting without a personal desire for the fruit of that action. That's what non-attachment is. And that's what it is not to have desires. Now, when we're, we're saying attachments and desires, we're talking about desires that bind us. Because there's also uh, desires and attachments that bind us. Because there's also another part of it, which is to be attached to the, to the principle of right action. To be attached to the principle of acting for my soul's freedom. To have a desire to help uplift others and to help them understand what causes suffering and what causes happiness. 
These are the kind of desires that do not bind us to limitation. I mean, these are the kind of desires that dissolve the ego, and the ego is the source point of everything that binds us. The ego is the infinite self identified with limitation. So what desires and attachments do in the way that it's meant here is they reinforce that self-definition of limitation and they reinforce the delusion that things have to be a certain way in order for me to have happiness and I have to avoid them being this way because then I will suffer. It's always about what brings us happiness and what causes us suffering. So desires and attachments that are based on the, de- the self-definition of I am a limited entity, my experience of life is dependent on what happens outside of myself, if the likes and dislikes of my heart are, are violated, if I don't get what I want and what I don't want happens to me, then I will suffer. And all of that thought form is what really ultimately causes us to suffer because none of that is actually under our control. Because we are a part of a greater reality. We are working out our our destiny is to understand who we really are, which is not this limited ego self, but I I am part of a greater reality. My true definition transcends all of these limited experiences of the material world. So if we desire to love, I wish to be an instrument of love. I wish, you know, I wish to experience great love in my life. Experiencing great love is liberating. Experiencing great love moves us closer to the light. Giving great love requires a transcendence of the ego just in order to overcome all of the small-minded things that keep us from loving. But if I want to love a wife or a husband and have these children in this home, it's not completely binding because there is a fundamentally expansive idea behind it, but the more specifically it becomes an attachment to a very specific form, then that attachment has become a, 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 has become a detriment to our soul's freedom. <clears throat> but the desire to love is liberating. See, see the difference? It's a, very, it's a very important difference because otherwise people think in the name of non-attachment I'll just guard my heart. You know, in the name of not having desires I'll just hold myself aloof from this world because that's not how the saints behave. See, one of the ways we can understand what this actually looks like in real practice is we look at the advanced souls that we may be privileged to know or to know about We look at the lives of the avatars that we can read about, at least in their life stories, and you know, we have we have current examples. There are great souls who have shared the planet with us quite recently, who, I mean, in addition to biblical accounts of of the life of Jesus in the Bible and other prophets in the Bible or the traditions of India, they're they're current examples. Of course, Yogananda and Kriyananda are the two examples that I know the, the most. But Yogananda's life, Yogananda dedicated his life, you know, every hour of every day, he dedicated his life to creative work. He was exceedingly ambitious to establish in America the understanding of the path of self-realization. 
in the early years of his ministry, he literally just drove back and forth across the country, going to the biggest cities in America, giving huge lectures to thousands of people, then giving class series, and and he would speak at, at small groups, and he would meet with individual people constantly because he had a deep desire to be an instrument of God. Well, Master himself was... His consciousness was one with the Spirit. But here he is, completely devoted to the divine search. And he was not apathetic. He was not uncommitted. And he was, he was, every ounce of his energy was given in friendship and in love and in support and in, you know, undying determination to help all those who wanted to come to God. But he was also always calm within himself. And even though... He grieved for the suffering of others. He also accepted all his divine will. He, he didn't impose his own desires. He suffered when people did not respond as he hoped they would and thus doomed themselves to more suffering, but so did Christ. Christ wept the night of his arrest. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He wept. Now, he wasn't weeping for, oh dear, I'm going to be suffer. I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to be humiliated. And I'm going to be crucified. Why is this happening to me? I mean, the idea of Jesus behaving that way is ludicrous. But there he was. He was weeping. He was weeping and praying, and he said, "Lord, let this cup pass from me." I mean, now what do we think he was saying at that point? Do we think he was afraid? That's hard to imagine. He was. He was choosing this destiny. Do you think he was, he was whining? You know, what was his prayer? His heartbreak was, was that he had come to liberate these people, to, to uh, enlighten them to a, a new and more wonderful way of being. He'd incarnated solely and entirely for that purpose. <clears throat> and vast numbers of those he had come to help were rejecting him. And it was heartbreaking to him. That was the heartbreak. Uh, he, on you know walking up the uh, in, walking up the uh, the Mount of Olives there, standing, looking at Jerusalem, he wept for Jerusalem. There's a, a little uh, chapel built right on the spot where it is said Jesus stood, looked at the city of Jerusalem, and wept again and again. He said, "I would have gathered thee under my wings like a mother hen gathers her chicks." but you would have me not. It broke his heart because he wanted to help them alleviate their suffering, many of them, and they rejected what he offered them. It was heartbreaking to him. I mean, think about our own life. You have somebody who's close to you and they're on a self-destructive path and you do everything you can to to help them to avoid it. I, I think of drug addiction because that's one of the ones that everybody's facing so often these days. Somebody is addicted to drugs. You're doing everything you can to spare them the terrible suffering that's going to come to them. But you can't help them. So you weep. Naturally you weep. A thousand times more Jesus would feel that. That's what he, that's what he was feeling. But he was committed to helping them. <clears throat> but Jesus says... Let this cup pass from me. But then he says, But thy will, Lord, not mine, be done. And that, that for me has always been, that is <clears throat> the perfect synth- uh, summary 
of how we live in this world. We are completely authentic. Just completely, I've opened my heart, I've given my life to this world naturally. What I want for everyone, especially those who are close to me that I know and love, what I want for them is, is freedom and bliss in God. Why would I want less? But they don't want it for themselves. So there's nothing I can do. But I'm not going to pretend to be indifferent or untouched by that. I'm deeply, I'm deeply committed to helping them and I'm profoundly moved if they don't accept it. But I'm not going to whine and plead. I'm going to say, but thy will, not mine, be done. This way we can be fearless in our humanity, but constantly affirming our divinity. And, and it's not always clear to us which are the binding desires, which are the binding attachments. So Swamiji gives us this wonderful image. I actually have had the experience, a friend of mine actually for a number of years had a business of a hot air balloon. And because of that, um, I actually had the opportunity. I had the opportunity to climb into the basket under the big, you know, gas-inspired balloon with the big furnace uh, you know, you turned on this big burner and it was burning propane and it was heating the air of this humongous... I mean, it's, it's hard to really realize how big those balloons are until you're in close proximity. So you're in, literally, just like the movies, you're in this little wicker basket. She's heating up... It was a woman. She was heating up the hot air and then we threw the ballast overboard and her assistant untied all the ropes and handed the ropes to us. And we just started floating upward, just like that. And, and if you can even imagine it in your mind or have ever seen it exactly like that, that's exactly why the image works so well. You know, and, and the, the part of it that is, is also so moving, you see, once the energy was applied, she opened the burner and, and the hot, the air was heated. See, the interesting thing, it's not driven by the propane. It's not the propane. It's not a propane motor. All the propane does is it heats the air. In other words, energy and light is, is added to, the, to what's already there, which is the balloon is just filled with air. And then the air heats. And, and then there's this tremendous upward moving energy. The whole thing wants to go up, but we're holding it down. Well, that's us exactly. Our spirit wants to soar. soar. God is drawing us up to Him. He's filling us with His grace. He's heating the air within us, which becomes our devotion. And and all the force is pulling us up toward God. But these ropes of, but I want this, but I want that, but I need this, but I need that, is holding us down. And so what we do is we go through and we sever those ropes. You can just sever them without even knowing what they are. That's how Swami suggests it. They're just strings that are holding us. With the mind's eye, just sever all those ropes and let the balloon go free. Just like that. Absolutely perfect. This is what Swamiji is asking of us. Make inner freedom your primary goal in life. See every binding desire or attachment as a rope tying your balloon of consciousness to the ground. Sever those ropes and exclaim vigorously with each slash, you can hold me no longer. 
my place is high in the sky, soaring over seas and continents on breezes of pure bliss. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.